0: Good is Australia. There's fucking language. Let there be a thousand blossoms bloom as far as I can see. So, you know, but
1: I ain't spending any time on it.
0: Oh yeah. Give me my Don't stop
1: wearing the Speedos. You're listening to Decode, the Batuta Advocates podcast series for those Australians who have tuned out or never tuned in to the dark arts of politics.
0: It's cold Bean, you wouldn't believe it, a goddamn bloody adult.
1: Hello and welcome back to Decode, the Matilda Advocate's political podcast. My name is Wandel
2: Hussey and joining me in Matilda's week, dear Dave, how are you? I'm um, very good, mate, very good. The Tillys 4-0 was just a big enough win to get me in a good mood after the Ashes lost. So. Mm. Yeah, 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 absolutely.
1: Positive. Swings and roundabouts. Les Burley is with us as well. Les, how are you traveling?
0: I've had to do the old honey lemon throat gargle, a bit of bit of steam after mm. all the yelling from exciting footy last night, mm. watching the Matildas. So,
1: yep, it's a Tuesday yeah. afternoon. We are running a little bit slow. Obviously, a monumental game, a historic game. Backs against the wall did it against Canada, never in doubt, probably the easiest group stage ever. I never once for a second <laughs> thought we were being knocked out. I always knew we were progressing through. I was actually saying they should rest Sam Kerr for this game. Like we oh, shouldn't rush her back. So, I can't believe yeah. we were even talking about playing her. Rest her. We were always going to beat Canada, the Olympic yeah, champions, exactly. number seven in the world. No doubt about it.
0: Yeah, we don't need the EA FIFA tied number one player in the world. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's doing really well just handing up water bottles on the sideline.
1: Yeah. But look- Five days now until we either play Denmark, China, England, or Haiti. Haiti is still mm, a mathematical yes. chance. I can't see them going through, but five days until that, let's hope we can sort something out about that calf, whatever like modern technology we have, whatever mm. medical science, mm. anything, calf transplants, whatever we need to do. Yeah. Get Robot. Sam Kerr ready. I'm Robot happy calves. to
0: give her my calf.
1: Yeah, your it's sacrifice. Yeah, right, well, well, send like someone up a there good with the scalpel. One, but she can have it. <laughs> well, I, she she probably doesn't need the full thing. But if we can just cut that out, and then she can take what she needs. Where there's some like sinews that she yeah, can partial or something like that. Mm-hmm. Definitely I mean, something mm-hmm. to sort out. Yeah,
2: if our scientists aren't all devoted right now to growing calf muscles in a lab, then like the CSIRO has mm. some questions to answer. Let's sort out those baby it's cows.
1: Mm. Anyway, we're supposed to talk about politics and what's happening in the world of politics parliament's back baby i know everyone's been missing it but we're back they're all down in canberra they're all talking shit about each other once again being particularly productive it must be said and some chat about a double dissolution there's also been a little bit of gambling reform as well that we're going to talk about today that's all ahead of us but leslie burley would you like to kick us off with the clang or banger for this week
0: I am. We're doing something a little bit different because they're back in week one. We haven't heard too much from them, but we have been hearing a lot about this double dissolution. And I want to know if a DD from Albanese is a clanger or a banger move on his behalf. So just to really quickly explain, under the constitution, a prime minister can ask for a double dissolution if a piece of legislation fails to pass parliament twice, which we think might happen with the housing bill. Essentially, it means that he can dissolve the full parliament rather than half of the Senate, and he can also call a super early election if he wants to. Now, he has said, I'd rather not call a double dissolution. He's also said that if he does pull the trigger, if the trigger is pulled, I should say, that he will wait a full term. He won't have an early election. But we all know that that's subtext telling the Greens to get Mm. On with the job and agree with his ideas around housing. And Dutton, leader of the opposition, has said that it would be a high-risk move on Albanese's behalf and that Albanese is obsessed with the Greens. (laughs) Why are you so obsessed with me? (laughs) Yeah, that's his, like, literally said obsessed. (laughs) Wild. Obsessed with the Greens and looking for some tricky, underhanded way to go to an early election. So I want to know your thoughts, lads. Would a double dissolution for Albanese and the current Labor government be a clanger or a banger move?
2: I'm going team clanger. I don't think it would be like a massive catastrophic disaster for them. I don't think it's a banger at all. I don't see them losing power. I could see maybe a minority government. I don't see Peter Dutton and the Liberals overtaking them. But I think to do this as essentially, even though he hasn't said it, to do it as a threat to the Greens almost is... I think, ridiculous. I think, like, threatening the Greens with an election is, like, threatening me by telling me I have to sit on the couch with some chocolates and gummy bears and watch State of Origin highlights. <laughs> like, the Greens love elections. I don't think they've stopped door knocking since the last election. They had good results. Yeah, I think they're licking their lips if this is the case.
1: I don't know about you, Dave. Flat-out banger for me, bro. I fucking love voting. I love <laughs> lining up for, like, an hour and then scribbling some you shit love that on a sausage. bit of paper. Democracy sausage. I love a democracy sausage. democracy sausage.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, but do you put the onions above or below? Oh, my God. I can't wait for the democracy sausage. Do
0: you have tomato sauce or barbecue oh, sauce? Oh, both? my God.
2: This is the discourse we've been missing out hashtag, on. Hashtag I was poll, Hashtag I was <laughs> um, Oh, God.
1: Yeah, no, I love fucking voting. You know, we voted last year. Uh, we've got a referendum coming up state elections let's just do it let's just mm. vote again let's just yep. chalk out another fucking saturday to go and vote i reckon it's great great threats
2: yeah i do see you often on twitter getting in the ben fordham <laughs> polls just being mm. like where can i vote next i just need something to vote mm. yeah. yeah
1: yeah it's it's funny that they're not ruling it out like they are threatening the grains of this
0: just yeah it's a real legit work. threat <laughs> 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 yeah uh, my hot take is that I'm not going to tell you whether I think it's a clanger or a banger, but my hot take is that if you ask the Labor Party, they think it's a banger because mm. they're high on their own bullshit and mm. they're like, we're going to absolutely slay another election. If you ask the Greens, they're like, a banger. We'll tell people it's a clanger because we're spending money in an election, but secretly it's a banger because we're going to try and gain some seats. <laughs> and if you ask the Liberal Party, similarly, they'll publicly be like, this is a waste of taxpayer dollar, but internally they'll be like, fuck yes, yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah, because they'll try and get some seats. Yeah. So, I think it's one of those things where we're all pretending we don't want it to happen, <laughs> but- they all want it to happen.
1: Mm, (laughs) It's symptomatic of where the fucking political class is at, isn't it? Like they're just looking at this whole thing and you're looking at the think pieces on various mastheads about what the double dissolution would mean and strategically what could happen and where they could claw back seats. It's like this isn't a fucking game just do your jobs there's stuff for you to be doing you like we're in the middle of a housing crisis we need action on climate change the economy's fucked there's all sorts of stuff going on stop arguing about what seats you're going to win and what strategically benefits the party if you have a double dissolution just just work some shit out would you please just work something out just something anyway sorry
0: mate (laughs) and there's a state election in Queensland next year too Mm -hmm. so yeah and we've just had by elections and there's going to be more by elections because of what's happened with robo debt probably potentially. So, yeah. <laughs> uh yeah. Look, I think we're just at the, we're doomed to be at the polls every year forever now. So there you go, clanger a banger.
2: I do think there's probably one sort of part of this that will benefit maybe both the Labour and Liberal parties. Um, I do think considering our last election happened just after COVID, there was still a lot of that sentiment around. And, you know, it was a bit of a weird time with Mm. uh, Scott Morrison's Liberal Party. But I think there would maybe be a few of those candidates that were elected who might not regain their seat. There's a few senators that kind of rode the wave of, you know, COVID outrage. There was the United Mm. Australia Party senator, One Nation got another senator in. I don't know how safe those seats would be. And similar deal with some of the teals. I mean, there was a big optimistic push for some sort of change for Mm. a lot of these teals. And now, as we've seen with, you know, Monique Ryan spending 28,000 bucks on business class flights from, Canberra to Melbourne, I think them, that a lot of that sentiment might have dropped off and mm. there could be some way for the Liberals and Labor to claw back some of those seats.
1: Yeah, true.
0: Well, look, I we could say wait and see, but really I hope it doesn't happen because yeah, I'm tired. Yeah, so. surely not. <laughs> surely not. Surely we're not doing that. But anyway, uh, the
1: cause for a double dissolution um, might be potentially happening in Parliament because it is back this week. They're all down uh, in the Bush capital doing what they do, and they've been talking a bit of shit about each other, as I mentioned there before. Jim Chalmers has kicked things off. The treasurer, he said that we're making welcome progress in the fight against inflation, but we're not there yet, and the Reserve Bank will weigh up the fact that inflation is moderating, aka uh, interest rates are going up again, so get ready to pay more money on your mortgage if you have that, or if you're a renter, to pay an incremental increase when your rent gets increased next time it does, but... But, you know he's pretty confident that we're going to get on top of inflation. We've spoken previously about this whole inflation thing so we won't dwell on that too much. Um, I just thought I'd run through some of the other things that have come up with Parliament returning. Obviously the Robo debt inquiry was handed down. We spoke about that. Prime Minister Scott Morris and he's got back from Sunning himself in Sorrento. He's finished up his Italian holiday. The apparel Spritz is finished. And, um, yeah, he's back here to talk about robo-debt. He's accused the government of a political lynching campaign for criticising his role in the illegal robo-debt income averaging scheme. I'm always sass
2: on the use of the word lynching. Are you sure he wasn't talking about a David lynching, perhaps? Yeah, maybe he just watched Mulholland Drive <laughs> or something.
1: <laughs> he came out and he said, this campaign of political lynching has once again included the weaponization of a quasi-legal process to launder the government's political vindictiveness. <laughs> they need to move on.
2: Oh, uh, he's really got the wow, thesaurus out for that one. Yeah.
0: yeah I was going to say that's the most like more than four-letter words he's ever used in one sentence. Mm. It's very Trumpian of him mm. and- Yeah, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but let's just not use the word lynching lightly in Australia. Yeah, Uh, Yeah, 100%. That
1: language that's being used there, that's eastern suburbs Scotty coming through. That's like he's oh, yeah. maybe he's given up on the whole Scotty from the Shire, love the Cronulla Sharks kind of thing. Who got pumped on the weekend, which was pretty funny mm. for him. But yeah, he's he's letting his eastern suburbs roots really shine through with that kind of language. Mm. There,
0: this is Chardonnay, Scotty, yeah.
1: not Sharky, Scotty. Yeah, mm. yeah. Chardonnay, <laughs> Scotty. I, I do. I like that he's like, oh, everyone needs to move on. It's like, well, yeah, like kind of we'll move forward. But what are we doing about the fact that you ran an illegal scheme which had. Horrific consequences on the population and uh, has potentially changed the way we look at welfare and the regulation of welfare. We'll move on, but what are we doing to fix what happened and to make sure it doesn't happen again? He didn't offer up any particular insight into what he wants to do uh, in regards yeah, to that. Well,
0: we're all moving on from Scotty, aren't we? Because uh,
1: <laughs> well, Cronulla Sharks—they're <laughs> talking. Becoming... Cronulla Sharks mm. are talking about revoking his number one ticket holder status.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Mm. I often wondered with that, like when they give politicians number one ticket holder status, and it's it's often clubs who don't have a lot of supporters, right? Like think of who else supports the Cronulla Sharks. Mm. Brennan Cowell, yeah. I believe. Hey, um, star of Avatar. Star of Avatar, yeah.
0: Fun fact, I'm actually the number one ticket holder of the Batuta Bowls Club League. Team. So, mm, yeah!
1: Wow! Yeah, that's a picture quite an of you honor up receive. on the wall. Yeah. yeah, I'm a number one yeah, ticket next holder. To the king. I'm a number one ticket holder of the Queensland Football Club. I'm not sure if you're aware of them. <laughs> what type of football is that? Ah, uh, it's AFL. Oh, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> very nice. Look yeah. them up, the Queensland Football Club. Yeah, but yeah, I, I wonder if they will revoke it because, like, when you give politicians that, right? Like, politicians aren't going to be unless, like, you're a prime minister who's prime minister, you know, who's remembered fondly and was in for a long period of time. Or same with the premier, like. It's kind of weird to have a politician from 15 years ago be the number one ticket holder at a club. I find mm. it strange.
0: It's also high risk, high reward. Like mm. you don't want to tie yourself to a sinking ship.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, once you do kind of, if you bet on the right horse and you got someone in power, it's like, all right, now look at us. We've got the prime minister as our supporter. We can yeah. have a quiet word to them whether they listen or not. But yeah, I do remember the, the Melbourne Storm had Julia Gillard as their number one ticket holder for... The You know, the few years that she was in power and then immediately after she lost the spot of Prime Minister, they handed it straight back to Molly Meldrum. So I think that's a safer bet. <laughs> <laughs> Pants down, Molly. <laughs>
1: Tough week. Tough week mm. for Julia Gillard. We won't talk about that. Yeah. i allowed to. No. So we'll move on to what else is happening in Canberra. The housing bill is going to be back on the agenda. As you mentioned, that could be the trigger for the double dissolution. Still not a lot of compromise from the government on this one. The Greens have revised their initial call for $5 billion worth of direct investment in public and affordable housing. They've said, fine, we'll do $2.5 billion. Government's still like, nah, dog, just vote it through as it is or um, we're just going to accuse you of stalling things. So nothing seems to be happening there. I'm interested to hear your guys' thoughts on the call from the CFMU Secretary Zach Smith last week who came out and he he called for a super profits tax of 40%. Um, On large corporations. And he said that those excess profits would comfortably cover the cost of building more than 750,000 new social and affordable homes. As he said, the wealth exists, it exists in profit columns of a very small elite group of corporations. Thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm not an economist, so I, I can't quite place where the money is coming from and what the implications are of taxing these companies and if they will then feel less incentivized to build massive projects in Australia. (laughs) But in theory, I'm like, we need to build new houses and this is potentially a solution. I mean, I like it as a a thought exercise. Yes. In Mm. practice, I need some people with very good degrees to tell me whether it will work or not. But as a thought exercise, I'm like, yeah, let's talk about this as an option actually.
2: Yeah, I yeah. agree. I mean, on paper, it seems like a good deal. It seems like why not? But I also do think that putting the words "super" and "tax" in the same sentence is almost political suicide for a lot of.
0: Yeah, it hasn't worked well in the past.
2: Yeah, no. They'll have them
1: throwing their middies of uh, shandies at the bar at the bowls club.
0: I'll be there.
1: I'm like, <laughs> call me a cynic here, and I'm. Li- I find it a little bit disingenuous that the boss of the construction union <laughs> is calling for more houses to be built over the next couple of decades. I'm like, I get it, right? Like, we definitely do need new homes, but it seems a little disingenuous for me. Like, he's obviously coming at it from the super profits angle. I'm like, okay, cool. Definitely, in theory, agree with that. That's a great idea. Definitely, in theory, agree with having more homes. But I'm also like, yeah, you and your union are going to directly benefit... A huge, huge amount from basically being given the contracts to build all of these homes and then price gouge the government. It was like, I, like I get what he's saying, but at the same time, I'm like, there's other things we can look at. There are, On census night, there was a million empty homes in mm. Australia. There is quite a lot of supply, maybe before we use all of the money from this super profits tax that we're somehow bringing in, which we could use for things like schools and hospitals and roads and all that sort of stuff. Maybe we have a look at things like negative gearing and capital gains tax and having a look at why we have such an issue with housing being an investment and an asset rather than a human right, instead of just handing over potentially hundreds of billions of dollars to uh, property developers to build more properties.
0: Can I play devil's avocado here? Absolutely. Because I agree with all of those sentiments, but that's not his job. No. He represents people in the union. And as a union boss, he's like, I need to create work Mm. for the people in my union. I need to keep my union alive. I need Mm. to keep my industry alive. I've seen a problem and I have proposed a solution that leverages that problem, yes, but So I'm kind of like, this guy's using the tools he's got literally and figuratively.
1: And mm. I get you, but just name check yeah. it. Just be like, hey, this would also <laughs> be a really good thing for yeah. us. To, yeah. just, just don't pretend yeah. like you're the knight in shining armour who's just thinking about the greater good. Like, sure, he is yeah, thinking yeah, about yeah. the greater good, but- he also he's not the messiah about,
0: in this story. Mm, he's no.
1: also thinking about the new Dodge Rams um, <laughs> his employees are going to buy when you know new new uh, apartment buildings go up. But I get you. I get you. It's not his job. He can't come in and call for things like um, changes to negative gearing, et cetera, et cetera. I just, yeah, I was, yeah, I was amused mm-hmm. by the calls. But 40% um, super profits tax. Let's get it going. Sort it out, get it Mm -hmm. through this year. I
0: didn't see it coming, that's for sure. I did not see this announcement coming. I was like, okay, sure.
1: On the other side of politics, uh, Peter Dutton, the opposition leader, formerly the Home Affairs Minister, he said to the current Labor Home Affairs Minister um, in regards to referring some contracts from um, offshore processing, in regards to that, he said, fucking do it, refer me to the NACC. If you've missed this, it's basically in regards to a company that was given contracts for offshore processing in Nauru by Peter Dutton's Home Affairs Department. Turns out the guy running that company had been up on bribery charges (laughs) and was not a great character, but he was given these contracts anyway Obviously, a lot of people are saying, "Well, why the fuck are we giving this guy contracts? Huge, very lucrative government contracts when he's been engaging in bribery." Oh, and listen. the
0: Australian Federal Police told Peter mm. Dutton that this yeah. investigation was happening into this guy. Like, it's not as if Peter Dutton was blind signed and was like, "Oh no, bribery! I didn't know that was happening." <laughs> he he was told by the yep. AFP. <laughs>
1: Well, yep. he's saying he wasn't told by the AFP. He's saying he was on holiday when the <laughs> AFP confirmed I the briefing. I should rephrase. Yes. The
0: AFP have confirmed that they told his office about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Please so, don't sue me for defamation. Yeah, no, done. Peter. <laughs>
1: um, so he's saying he wasn't really across it, et cetera, et cetera, and he's saying it's inconsequential if a briefing was provided to the Contracts by Home Affairs on one hand, okay, if we take Peter Dutton's word that he didn't know about this, fine, but we still need to know why somebody was giving a contract to a guy up on bribery charges. That's what we need to know, right? Like, And so that's why I'm happy that Peter's like, refer it away. Let's find out who it yep. was. Let's find out why because surely that guy wasn't the best man for the job. Surely something had happened there. So let's get to the bottom of why that happened.
0: That's kind of the point, right, is that it's like at worst, Peter Dutton knew and he was complicit at best, he wasn't managing his team well enough yeah. for the information to get to him. Yeah. So it's still like, dude, you were running the show at the time. Like, yeah. mm. And look, credit to him. I feel like we have become so used to corruption in yeah. the last 15 years that these stories just come up now and we're just like, oh, you're another one, oh, you're another yeah. one. Whereas if this has happened like 15 years ago, it would be a huge news story. Yeah. And now we're just like, oh, yeah business as usual.
2: Mm, Yeah, something a fraction of, you know, the amount of money that these contracts were worth would have been, you know, enough for people to lose their Mm. jobs 10 years ago. Yeah.
1: So credit to Peter for saying, do it, Claire, refer it. Go on, send it on to the NACC and let's see what happens.
0: A man of the people.
1: Yeah, that's kind of the lay of the land. Those are the big things that are popping up at the moment down there. At Parliament this week, of course, as soon as we hit stop record on this, something else will probably happen quite substantial. And uh, we'll have to talk about it Mm. in the next episode, but that's where we're at. Uh, Dave, I believe you wanted to talk about gambling for a little while to round out the show.
2: Yes. Well, this news isn't, you know, breaking news. This has been around for a couple of weeks now, the reforms that Victoria have brought in. But just to give you an idea, if you thought Australia was good at women's soccer, our <laughs> gambling skills in Australia make our women's soccer team look like the Wallabies it is we are batting way above our average here we are the highest gamblers per capita that's highest (laughs) gambling loss per capita in the world we're fifth highest total losses so again you've got like you know china and the us with billions or hundreds of millions of people and then fifth is us if you were just to isolate the pokies statistics australia would still be third highest per capita so take out you know casinos lotteries sports betting and whatever if it was just pokies we would still be third highs per capita. Yeah, impressive stuff there. We uh, do. Maybe really they should have a super
0: way. tax housing fund. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I think so. I think so. Yeah, in the last couple of weeks, Victorian Premier and noted Commonwealth Games hater Dan Andrews. And uh, Gas Hater. And Gas Hater as well. Not to be confused with Gaslighter. He's mm. a Gas Hater. They've announced some reforms to tackle money laundering and pokies addictions, two of the main issues that surround, you know, gambling in Australia and the pokies. So... Pokey machines in Victoria are soon going to require a mandatory pre-commitment limit, which is basically done via a cashless card system. So that ensures that the money is tracked and that'll stop a lot of the money laundering coming through the venues. As well as that to tackle the addiction side of it, uh, you'll only be allowed to put in $100 to a machine at a time, which is down from $1,000. They're also limiting the opening hours of them from 2024. All pokies will be required to be closed from 4 a.m. to 10 a.m., Which is real. That's that's, that's real pokies (laughs) times there. I should clarify that, though. Yeah, peak hour at the pokies. Not all pokies machines because, of course, the ones at the casino will still be allowed to be open there. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Now, nothing gives me chills like walking to work on, like, a Monday morning. It's, like, 8 o'clock and you walk past a pub and you hear, like, the outdoor pokie section and it just goes, (laughs) and you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah.
0: Um, Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No. Grim time. (laughs) We all just sunk into a pit of depression. Yeah. My mind just went there. It's like, Uh.
2: (laughs) so yeah. This has put a lot of pressure on New South Wales to take some stronger action to deal with the issue of pokies machines. If you cast your mind back to the state election we had Mm. recently, this was one of the central points of the Liberal Party campaign. Labor was not as strong on pokies reforms, and. I can't imagine why. Mm, yeah, no idea at all. No, Maybe no that connection
1: idea. to clubs in New South Wales. Yeah, and, I mean, oh, but
2: surely they wouldn't, you know, overlook that moral, the you know, the morality of cutting down on pokies machines just for lots of political donations. Mm. Surely not. So surely not. Must be something
1: else. It's interesting that the uh, Victorian Labor is doing this, right? Mm. They're going after basically the pokies and pokies lobby and gambling and cracking down on it. i would be curious to see, yeah, what ramifications that has for New South Wales.
2: Yeah, so basically in New South Wales, it's a much bigger issue there. And, you know, Victoria, Queensland, literally anywhere else in the world. As of June 30 this year, there were 86,640 pokies machines in New South Wales, which is about 30% more than Queensland and Victoria combined. Mm. So we got a lot of pokies down here.
0: Yeah. I'm sure Anecdotally as a like, like tried and true Queenslander, whenever I visit Sydney, I find it really overwhelming how many like what is it, Dragon Link? And like the, like we don't have mm. that in the same way in Queensland. Obviously, it's still a problem, but mm. it's way more hidden and it's not something that's publicly advertised on the street as much. So, I, yeah, it, I think New South Wales – just culturally they've they've really tapped into that market differently. It's really shocking to see the stats.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there has been some talk about um restricting the signage outside of Pokies. The whole <laughs> the thing that I actually love and find so ridiculous, VIP lounge. Yeah. Like if you're a non-Australian oh. and you walk up somewhere <laughs> and you're like, ooh, let me just check out this VIP lounge. Yeah. I'm sure it's nice and classy. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Which D-list Australian celebrity am I gonna bump into here tonight? <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, in New South Wales there is 82 poker machines per person and around the world in all countries that have gaming machines, the average is 2,150 pokies machines per person. So, yeah, not hard Maybe to find one. Maybe
1: flip that the other way around. It might, be uh, it might be one poker machine for 80 people. Yeah. What we, did I say? Yeah, 82 <laughs> poker machines per
2: eight, person. Oh, yeah, it like we have 8 billion poker <laughs> machines in New <laughs> South Wales. <laughs> yeah, wait Let me. Maybe just leave that in there. I
0: like it. Leave it. See if someone. checks. Yeah, okay.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think that's – no, I'm pretty sure that's the correct statistics (laughs) right there. So in New South Wales, there have been a small amount of reforms announced. Um, From 1st of July, players are only able to put $500 cash into machines, which is down from $5,000. Seems pretty smart. Yeah, they've also announced, as I said, a ban on VIP lounge signs and other promotional signage that entices people to come in as well as banning financial donations to political parties from clubs who have gaming machines, which mm. is a, which is an interesting move. Um, yeah.
0: That's pretty big, yeah.
2: Yeah. New South Wales will also begin a trial in the next few months of cashless gaming cards. Obviously, Victoria have announced that they're doing it. They're not just doing a trial, they're going to do it. But Premier Chris Minns has vowed to make the report of the trial public. He says that if cashless gaming works, we will implement it. Findings will only be available next year. But the opposition has already come out and said that Labor are essentially de- delaying the inevitable, that these trials of cashless gaming cards have worked in almost every situation that they've been tested in, and this is only just pushing it off into the future. So not only is the Labor Party in New South Wales seeming a bit soft on this issue, but the Victorian reforms... are. Uh, also could have an effect on organized crime in new south wales because as they're making it harder to launder money through the victorian machines there is a good chance that a lot of that a lot of the organized criminals will kind of see victoria clamping down on that and go well i'm just going to hop over the border in new south wales and do Mm. it there. In other states, Tasmania has promised gambling limits on poker machines by 2024. But again, this issue is very much more prevalent in New South Wales than it is in other states. But still in gambling, there has also been a parliamentary inquiry handed down a bunch of recommendations to deal with sports betting and online gambling, which is growing in terms of the amount of money lost and the amount of people partaking in it. And anyone who watched sport who has watched live sport in the last few years can attest to including prime minister Albanese who called sports betting ads annoying and opposition leader Peter Dutton who called for a ban on betting ads during live sport matches. So very um
1: very large government there. Yeah, exactly.
2: Exactly. There were 31 recommendations in the report and it had the title You win some, you lose more, which I think is just, you know, a great outlook to have on life mm. in general. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, you won't be disappointed if that's
1: your outlook. But um can I actually just quickly side note agree with Peter on that? Fucking there are just so oh, yeah. many ads, as you as you say yeah. right, during sport, there are so many gambling ads. Yeah. It's
2: crazy. Absolutely.
0: And and the thing with sports bet and online gambling is that people below 18 can get a hold of it through means that are actually pretty easy to get away with. And so not only is this a problem per capita in Australia, there's it's actually like disproportionately a problem in youth in Australia compared to other countries as well because of our app system <clears> that we have that not all countries even have. So, yeah, we're like getting them on the gambling when they're 15. Like how yeah. do you break someone? How do you get someone out of that addiction when they start when they're in high school? Like it's crazy.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it's not even just live sport. Like all the media that surrounds sport is all – you know, gambling yeah. focus, there's, mm-hmm. you know, podcasts, and there's the pregame postgame shows all have odds updates. It's, yeah, it is really, yeah. you can't escape it if you're a sports fan of any age. So the biggest of these recommendations are calls for ads for online gambling to be banned across all media and at all times within three years, likelihood of that happening of the government adopting that pretty unlikely, I would say. But it does happen in stages, so it's not just, you know, we're killing it off. The first stage is prohibiting inducements in social media and online platforms and ads during school drop-off and pick-up time. So that's trying to target, you know, younger people and not get them hooked on so early. The second phase is banning all online gambling, advertising, and commentary on odds during and an hour either side of a sports broadcast, as well as on uniforms and in stadiums, which is a big thing, obviously, for visibility and just... Again, the complete saturation of any sports fans with it. Third part is banning broadcast ads between 6 a.m. and 10 p.m. Again, you're only hitting a certain target market. Probably not a lot of younger people uh, awake in those hours. And then finally, by the end of year three, prohibition on all online gambling, advertising, and sponsorship. So Labor MP Peter Murphy, who was one of the biggest voices in this uh who was calling for these recommendations. She said that this would give major sports and broadcasters time to find alternative advertisers and sponsors while preventing another generation from experiencing escalating gambling harm. So they're not trying to just pull the rug out from under them, trying to give them time so that, you know, they won't whinge about it, basically. Mm. But it is unclear whether the government will adopt these recommendations in full. Obviously, there's going to be fierce lobbying from commercial broadcasters who warned the inquiry that free sports broadcasts could be cut as a result of the ban. Which is obviously a big threat to make to say, well, if you're taking away yeah. our sponsorships, <clears throat> we're not going to show you the sport. You know what you can do? Give them to the ABC and SBS. That's fine; they can cut. You know
0: it. what also will happen if you cut your free broadcast? We will not watch your channel. Yeah. yeah. Mm. yeah. So, <laughs> like, if you if Channel Seven, Channel Nine decide, yep, we're not showing footy, cricket, whatever anymore, well then no one's going to watch their channels, and so they lose out anyway. It's yeah, cool. just we'll like it's so like
1: that.
2: stupid. Mm. Yeah. Yeah yeah so just finally michelle Rowland, the communications minister said the government will consider the report and its recommendations in full and in consultation with key stakeholders so you know very vague language Mm -hmm. there Mm -hmm. There I have a funny idea who those key stakeholders might be (laughs) yeah exactly yeah i wonder you know there's a lot of other suggestions that people have been throwing around about how to improve you know our gambling losses well not improve the losses but make some of that back but (laughs) there's a lot of things that Pokey's machine targets, like people have said, you know, get rid of the colours, get rid of the sound, stuff like that. There have been a few quite small voices that I've seen who said we need to renationalise the TAB, which I'm kind of in favour of. We'll see how that goes. A
1: lot of people don't realise we used to own the Totaliser Agency Board. Mm. Um, I'm um, actually very
2: impressed you even know what TAB stands for. Yeah, well,
1: um, I believe they still do own the TAB in Western Australia. I think the Western Australian government still owns that. But yeah, governments used to own Used to own Tab. And so, yeah, imagine if those losses were going into schools, roads, hospitals, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, yeah. oh, cool, the new Kingsfield Hospital was funded by, um, you know, people's losses <laughs> on footy multis. Okay. Exactly. It's not it's not the worst outcome, really, is it? Yeah.
2: Put more pokies machines in clubs there. Yeah.
1: Rather than just going to a, a multinational gambling company who has... Um, their various different companies in tax havens and is just funneling that money straight out of the country
2: exactly and especially now that there's so many overseas bookmakers as well that are entering the industry here it's yeah there's not a lot of that money that's being seen again by Australians
0: and I we've touched on it but I just want to stress to everyone listening that like this is a problem that is unique to Australia at Mm -hmm. this scale like this is an issue that is nowhere near as large in any other country in the world.
1: Yeah. 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 We are the pokey capital of the world. Yeah,
0: Yeah. Like, and like by quite a mile, you know, so we need to sort it out. Like we're just losing all this money and it's not happening in other countries. So we have all these other countries to look at around how they manage it. It's not like there's no solution that we don't know about. It's, Solutions are around the rest of the world and we're just not using them yet. So
2: Yeah, exactly. And it is yeah, like we gotta get you, on with it. Yeah. If you look up the, you know, the graphs that show the stats that I was saying before about Australia being the highest per capita, like it is not even close. Like it's astounding yeah. that for such a small country, we are, again, so good at gambling and so good at losing money gambling. Ah, uh, we always punch above our weight. <laughs> yep. It's we're just doing our
0: best. That's yep. <laughs> just having a go.
2: Just people having a go. <laughs> yep. That's what
1: we do. That's what we do. And that's probably where we'll leave this week's episode, unless you've got any more there,
2: Dave. No, no, just, you know. Keep on winning, keep yep, on losing. Yep, put it all on hearts.
1: You win some, you lose, you lose more. more,
2: yes. Wise words to Wise words. With. Unless you're the Matildas. <laughs> yeah, we do
1: win more. We do win more <laughs> than we lose. That's a really good point. Anyway, thanks very much for listening. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.
0: Bye.